This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Baffment & Co. Small batch soap inspired by horror and the macabre. This week's pick is the Sunken Place Bar, a deceptively delicate soap that is light and warm with a bottomless calming, inspired by Jordan Peele's Get Out. Memories of a hypnotizing gaze, a warm smile with a hint of foreboding, and an endlessly twirling spoon. Get 10% off your order with the code NIGHTMARE at baffmentandco.com. That's 10% off with the coupon code NIGHTMARE at baffmentandco. Made by hands, sometimes severed. Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to another episode of Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And this week we are talking, how do you? This, oh dear. Yeah, this week's episode. <laughs> Oh dear, we have some movies for you. We are continuing our month-long salute to domestic horror, uh, because home is where the horror is this month at nofspodcast.com, and here on the Nightmare on Film Street podcast, we will be talking Karen Kasama's The Invitation from 2015, and of course, the real deer here, Jordan Peele's Get Out from 2017. Little film, you might have heard of it. Yeah, and how fitting, because I think... No, it's, next week. It's not? <laughs> yeah, we know nothing about American Thanksgiving. I thought it was the... Uh, <laughs> I thought it was this week, too. There are so many Black Friday deals. Maybe I'm wrong. Isn't it? Ne- it's next week, I think. I feel like it's gotta be this I week. I think it's next week. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> Live on the podcast? Because, no, it's gotta be this week. There are so many Black Friday... Ask Siri. I want, like, live How do I do that? <laughs> I think I have Siri turned off. I don't know how it works on your phone, but I can do it on mine. I'm just... When is American Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is on Thursday, November 28th, 2019. Okay, so next week. Next week. All right. Well, I was wrong. Fuck. Black Friday starts earlier and earlier every year. Does it? That is the real nightmare. I guess that's true. It used to be only on the Friday after Thanksgiving. And this is even something we never used to have Black Friday. Canadian Black Friday used to be Boxing Day. Oh, is that what's bothering you? And now we fucking have both. We don't like Black Friday, in a sense, is smarter because it's before Christmas. It's a way for you to stack up on your gifts, get good deals, la la la. Boxing Day is just like you just got a bunch of stuff and it's just like, why do I need this stuff? But it makes sense for stores because they're purging their post Christmas inventory. I get that. Now, though, Black Friday starts on Thanksgiving, which we, we're, we're taking people away from their families to work shitty retail and sell. TVs that are spe- like specifically designed for Black Friday, and they are like a lesser model. I'm sorry, I'm getting very like the man consumerism. I like that you've done your research. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's for sale on Black Friday. I, it's always TVs, John. But what Thanksgiving is really about? Yeah, it's eating food uh-huh. 
with your family okay. and friends. Yeah. And your girlfriend's family. All right. Well, either way, before we get into it, uh, and really just to kind of put a halt on the Black <laughs> Friday talk, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, we've had a few anniversaries this week. Yeah, it's been busy. So uh, I've been making little videos and stuff for social media, but It 1990 had its anniversary first premiered on television, which is fun. Uh, also, Salem's Lot, the Toby Hooper Salem's Lot, turned 40. It was released this past week in 1979. That's crazy. And if, I mean, if you just saw Dr. Sleep and you still got Stephen King on the brain, we got a, uh, I can't say great episode. That seems a little heavy handed. Um, <laughs> it's an amazing, wonderful, pristine Stephen King episode. I may be biased, but I think it's the best thing we've ever recorded. Stop listening to this one. I don't need the download numbers. Go back. <laughs> check out Salem's Lot is and it, it. Is it a good episode? Do you remember it? I remember it. I remember liking this movie. Oh. I remember doing nothing but complaining. About the bike ride? About the fucking bike. <laughs> no, I remember complaining about the majority of it and then still giving it a very good rating, <laughs> which you did not appreciate. <laughs> that sounds like me. Oh, but the end of that movie. Oh, man. It's also Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow turned 20 as well this week. It was released in 1999 and arguably the last great thing Tim Burton has made. Come fight me. I will fight you. Frankenweenie's all right. I guess I, I, great. I, I Yeah, that's true. I, I really just proved your point. Like, yeah, Sweeney Todd, good. Frankenweenie, good. Not bad. But I'm talking great. Have we seen Dumbo, though? Can we really, really stand here and say that Dumbo's not a good movie if we haven't seen it? Do we need to see it? We don't. <laughs> That said, it's got Colin Farrell, so look forward to Kim's thoughts on that movie next week. Uh, when she, she watches it on mute. Yeah, she's... <laughs> <laughs> like, is there a Snapchat filter I can put over top of this movie that just, like, puts stars in his eyes, or maybe mine, when every time I look at him? <laughs> Less elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More cool bandanas on Colin Farrell. He wears a bandana? Yeah, he wears a bandana like Oh, uh, right, like, the ascot, like ascot thing. And yeah. you're like, I'm going to start doing this. <laughs> I did not say that. I did not say that. You're lying. Not in public, I did not say that. <laughs> I think it's a good look. <laughs> I think. I don't know that it's made for people with beards, but I do own a lot of denim shirts. The jig is up. I comb my hair almost the same way. I mean, you I get your style inspiration from Dumbo. <laughs> not even Dumbo promo photos is what it was. Oh boy. Uh, also keeping us creepy this week, we are catching up and celebrating our Patreon supporters. Yesterday was thank you Patreon day, so we wanted to do a quick moment to shout out our patrons and thank them so much for their support. Nightmare on Film Street would not exist without them. And December, something that we always do is we like to do a little Christmas card. We call it our Krampus card, and we send those out to all of our patrons, our current patrons. It's just a very, very small thank you from us to you at this time of year, because like we super duper appreciate you being here, but also uh, every other day of the year that you're around. For anybody that's been with us for a week to a year, there are some people that have been with us since we started the podcast, yeah. which is absolutely insane. Kind, it's Thank kind of nutters. So much. Yeah. We really could not do any of this without you. We truly mean that. Every dollar that we get from Patreon 
uh, goes directly back into the podcast to make better quality episodes and to provide you with the best content that we can put out week after week. Uh, I hope you like it. And I really, truly cannot say thank you enough for, for everything that you've done. Yeah, so the uh, Patreon Krampus cards, we do have to make a cutoff on those just so that they get out in time for Christmas. If you are an active patron as of December 12th, you're going to get a Krampus card. Um, You just need to make sure that your address is updated and good in Patreon. So if you've been a patron for a while, just check your profile, make sure your address is right. If you're just joining Patreon, thank you. We are so happy to have you. You're totally going to get a card. Just make sure that when you sign up, you add your mailing address so that we can send you the card. And if you want to join Patreon or check Patreon out, it is patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. Speaking of Patreon, I want to give a quick shout out to a very overdue shout out to John, Michael, Vince, Andrew, Christy, Max, Charlie, Aaron, Devin, JC, and Eric. You are all cordially invited via this audio invitation. <laughs> Uh, to a to a fun night of um, catching up and bingo and cocaine tasting and all those normal things you do at parties you don't get killed at. You know what I'm talking about. Expensive wine. Oh yeah, bottles and bottles of it. Friends and friends you've never met before who could definitely overpower you in any sort of scenario and where maybe, that might be necessary. And maybe tell stories where they murdered their wives. Yeah, come for the cheese, stay for the macabre stories of why I just got out of prison and found sanctuary in this death cult. You know, <laughs> those regular holiday favorites. <laughs> but enough Patreon chat, enough anniversary chat it is time for dinner oh dear oh dear let's talk about karen kasama's the invitation each and every one of us is on a journey and we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. This beautiful moment is upon us. Tonight is the night our faith is made real. Something doesn't feel safe here. From 2015, The Invitation is currently sitting at an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 3 out of 4 from RogerEbert.com, and 3.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I would say this is one of those indie films that isn't necessarily underrated. It's been on Netflix. Was it a Netflix original or Netflix exclusive? It's been on Netflix for a while. Yeah. And I know that, especially after people saw Your Next, mm. they were looking for something else like it. Sure. And I know a lot of people who've seen this movie and appreciate this movie. So, like, it's still an indie horror, but it's definitely got a good viewership. Does that make sense? 
Do you think a lot of people have seen this? I feel like Yeah, well, I, I don't think you need to be a big horror fan to appreciate this movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it has such an ending makes it easy to recommend. Like, you gotta check it out. I can't tell you anything, but the ending is incredible. And it, like, even if you get the premise of the movie, like, oh, these people are coming to, to see their friends, they're in a weird cult. Oh, it's got a crazy ending. I'm gonna go ahead and guess the cult is gonna try and kill them. That's not the surprise ending. I shouldn't even say surprise, really. Which seems like a good point to say, if you haven't seen this movie and you know nothing about it, please take the time to go see it before I ruin it for you. Because <laughs> I kind of because already have. Because that ending, though. <laughs> You're right. And I, I think, too, most of this film like lies with tension and unease. And I would definitely put it more in like the thriller suspense category for at least sure. the first half of the film. So I think it's accessible to a lot of people, especially like Netflix moviegoers who are clicking on and they're like, I want to watch something thrillery. Uh, I think The Invitation feels like a really wide, wide variety of movie nights. <laughs> sure. You know, it's funny that you say that. I love thinking about this as a Netflix template movie. Because the Netflix template is, oh, we got to have something in the first five minutes that's going to grab their attention and keep them in their in their seat. And like the, the, the they like, oh my God, I can't leave this movie moment in the invitation is, oh, he killed a coyote with a tire iron. Like, I need to see how the rest of this plays out. <laughs> so, invitation obviously starts off with an invitation. Yeah. Will and his new-ish girlfriend, Kira, get this really lavish, almost like a wedding invitation for dinner at his ex-wife's house. <laughs> he and his ex-wife, we learn through kind of flashbacks and um, how delicately everybody is handling Will, had a unfortunate accident probably a couple years previous mm-hmm. where their son was killed. Yeah, just and, like an accident at a party. Yeah, and it took a toll on their marriage. Um, the ex-wife, Edith. Eden. Eden, sorry. There's so many names. I'm sorry. It's going to be real stiff for a little minute. Um, Eden tried to, we learn, commit suicide at some point, and they went they went to a grief counselor, and at some point, the marriage fell apart. Whether or not her new husband slash boyfriend had anything to do with it is kind of up in the air, but we know that grief is what separated Will and Eden. Yeah, and they seem to be handling it both in two completely different ways. Like, yeah, but Will still is... trying to be adults because obviously it's been a couple years. Nobody's nobody's hung out together and they're doing this big dinner party with all the old friends. And it's like stiff but comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're locking back into to roles they used to have is, is kind of the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, can we just say for a minute, though, that the invitation in terms of a cult, great branding. Like, oh, I know. <laughs> like the way that they talk about it. Like, I was so lost until I accepted the invitation. Be like, boom, that's a sentence that sticks. Somebody thought this through. Yeah, it's it's very like secrety without necessarily being about ambition. Yeah, well, I mean, think about the secret even before it became so popular. Like, hey. I got the secret. Do you know the secret? Or I'd like, you know, something dumb like that. Like, obviously, like, you, you shouldn't Oh, I've been for reading it. the secret. Yeah, I've been reading up <laughs> on the secret thing. I'm trying, I can't think of another one right now. But yeah, the I invitation accept, is accepting wonderful. the invitation. Yeah. Fuck yeah, that's good. But it is, uh, it is uncomfortable at a level that like only mumblecore movies have been able to achieve. Uh, you know, like Creep uh, and in anything where it's just like a, a foreboding for yeah foreboding characters that 
uh, are estranged and like just the oh let's pretend to be yeah. normal thing. It just <laughs> it it scratches this weird kind of like ooh social norms are terrifying like yeah where you're on the the border of doing like the socially acceptable thing and being like okay no this has gone too far and it it really plays much like Get Out does on the boundaries of like okay when is this fucked. Yeah, because it feel it's fucked all along. It but would it's be not fucked, fucked even enough if they to, weren't nine one one. You know what no, I mean? No, but it, it it would be fucked even if they weren't in a cult. Like just that. Oh, let's get together and have dinner again. Like that whole thing would be awkward and weird and crazy. You could have almost the exact same movie, and I think it teases that that's the kind of movie that it's supposed to be. But to to have the cult element thrown in there is just. I mean, I think we've all been in conversations with friends that are maybe trying to explain to you how they're getting their life on track and you're just like i can't get my life on track the same way you're doing it but i feel good for you or like you haven't seen a friend in a really long time and then you meet back up and they're like really into essential oils and they're like eating them (laughs) and they're avoiding their doctor because of them and you're just like oh well your house smells nice (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i will send you encouragements from afar and in 2019 (laughs) afar means i'm stalking the fuck out of you on facebook (laughs) because i need a play-by-play of how this is going down i hope you're still getting vaccinated (laughs) oh it's weird oh you know thinking about this movie you were talking about the friends tiptoeing around will and uh and you know treating him with like extra care Mm because like he seems to be like the 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 damaged one still what thinking about this movie from anybody else's perspective is will comes into the room talks to us for like 30 seconds gets mad about something and then like drifts off because just like sits on the stairs (laughs) i'm gonna go sit over here where it's also sad like he just he is on i'm gonna go in the dead boy's room yeah he's on a greatest hits tour of like the worst moments of his life he like grew a beard in the two in the two years that they weren't together and then he was like i'm nirvana now (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so true it's so true and i i don't know maybe it's just that there is nowhere in that house like maybe that's what they're trying to say is nowhere in that house is comfortable for him Mm -hmm. i also think he explains that it never felt like his house uh his ex-wife came from money it's her house you know it's 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 nothing of the life he is leading now with his new girlfriend kira and um Maybe just the fact that even if he goes to get a glass of water, he's reminded of the time he had to stop his wife from slitting her wrists. Uh, If he goes out to the backyard, it's where he used to watch his son play. And and where his son maybe also died. Yeah, so like (laughs) there's nowhere he can go where there's any sort of room for him to breathe. Yeah, Yeah, there's no no quantum of solace. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me why that came to mind. Oh boy. Uh, Yeah, and I think what really sets him off is like, I think, he and Kira knew going into it that it was going to be difficult, but that it was something that they should do. It's been two years. Eden and David are making the effort, so they should, too, match it. And also, <sighs> all of their old friends are there. Sure. And I'm sure that's something that they want, a connection that they want to retain. Yeah. Is all of those old friends. if they don't go to that party, they are now her friends and not his. <laughs> Basically. Um, that's just the law of friends. No, but it's a political dinner. <laughs> I I think what really sets him off initially, and what what makes 
what amplifies kind of his his feelings of like loss and, and anger are because Eden is wearing this veil of happiness. Yeah. And she's so soft spoken and she's so like everything is fine. And then as soon as they start to bring out this cult stuff, it's almost like she's put all of her sadness in a little box and just ditched it to the curb. Yeah. And, and he recognizes that. For him, like he carries all of the weight and grief and she was the only other person in the world that they could relate to that. Yeah. Like they had this really weird and um, like their hello was very tender when, when he first came in and, mm-hmm. and you could see that there was like a lot of love and that like in another world they would still be together and they would still be happy and still be in love. And there was something respectful too. Like Kira's in the background of that scene, but she's not jealous. There's no animosity no, 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 because no. it's, there's such a, they're in such a weird circumstance and there's so much understanding and pain around it that mm-hmm. like everybody's just trying to get by and Will and Eden share something so unique and traumatizing and dark. But the fact that she is in this weird state where she's just like pretending it doesn't affect her. Yeah. It's making Will feel like the whole burden is on him. Like somebody has to remember the pain of him dying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is, it's a good dynamic and... um but poor Will. <laughs> That's what gives him the ability, though, to be the character who can keep an eye on everything. If it wasn't for that dynamic between the two of them, he would not be looking at everything with such such suspicious eyes. Uh, you know, he wouldn't be freaking out when he sees David lock the doors. Uh, he wouldn't be constantly asking about where a missing friend of theirs is who supposedly showed up early to the party. Uh, but because... Because he's already squinting at their cult choices, uh, it gives him the ability to at least step out of the party a little bit and observe things. Yeah, because from everybody else's perspective, like, yeah, Eden, David, and friends are being a little strange, but Eden did go through a really big traumatic experience. We didn't even bring up the fact that they have friends there We're with gonna them. We're going to get to the friends. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that they, that Eden went through such a tra- traumatic experience... And is trying to find, like, even the most extreme things to help, like, comfort her. Kind of at that point, you're like, well, if it's if it's helping her, if it's making her happy, like, it's weird. But, like, all the best to her. Yeah. And if that's how she needs, that's what she needs to live. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, nobody's, nobody's looking down on her for it. It's just not what they would choose. And by the sounds of it, too, the invitation is a relatively popular or at least uh, well-known yeah, because Movement, one that's... of the guys' boss did it. Like they, yeah, like it's, it's something that they're they're familiar with. Yeah, the name exactly. kind of thing. It's 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 the new fad that's slowly sweeping the coast. You know, is well, kind and, of the idea. and it's an interesting cult too because they kind of offhand mention that everybody who gets involved with it is dealing with grief. Well, I think that's that that was the idea is that it started as like a grief group and then it expanded and it is a cult based on grief. And people who are longing and looking for a place. Like, realistically, any cult is preying on those people anyway. But this is specifically this preying the This is very specifically <laughs> taking people going through traumatic grief and, uh, and, and, and sucking them up. I wonder who Sadie lost. Yeah, I wonder if Sadie was just uh, another person who murdered somebody because we so Sadie and Pruitt are the two friends that uh, that Eden and David have invited to the party who are outsiders to the group. Uh, Sadie is 
crazy. She's this very She's nuts. Yeah, like not wearing shoes. Picked her. She up. wasn't wearing pants. <laughs> she wasn't wearing pants when everybody <laughs> arrived. She was like, "I better wait for my time to, for, you know, the right time to come and introduce myself to the group." Until then, though. Vagina out. <laughs> Vagina out. I'm looking through the door. I'm smiling at anybody that makes eye contact with me. Oh, jeez. She targets Will for sure. I don't oh, know. Totally. She's so strange. I, yeah. I, I think, think she was a murderer. I think that's what it comes down to. I think each of these people who uh, is hosting a party is paired with people who are in the grief group, but uh, they are grieving oh. their own mistakes. Like they killed somebody and it was Just a mistake. in case things go wrong, there are people there that can take care of it maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. And that's that what Pruitt That makes a does. lot of sense. That is what Pruitt does that is what he's there for that guy you're turning to the end a little too quick john <laughs> no i'm not i'm turning to 40 minutes into this movie when somebody wants to leave and Pruitt's like oh no problem i'll help you back out definitely murdered that girl in the driveway okay maybe <laughs> okay maybe okay, yeah, he totally, you think that yeah he, definitely. he totally did okay this this time watching this movie though there was a moment where they were like hey where's Choi? where's Choi? is when he supposed to be here wasn't he supposed to be here like early he said he was gonna be early for once in his life and i was like oh shit i forgot about Choi." and i looked at you and i was like yeah, we'll save it for the podcast Choi's definitely dead died before the party even started I forgot that he shows up. <laughs> I forgot that Joey shows up and it's like one of the greatest turns in this movie. Because so much of this is about uh, assuming Will is correct. We're, Will is our main character. He's who we're following. So we're with him on this mission. We're here to prove that something's not right about this party. He, you know, and this cult just keeps getting weirder. Like they start by showing a video. Fuck, how do you start a party with this video? Yeah, and it's just like, here's... Here's an introduction to my death cult. And, and let's it watch is, someone die. And it is a a death cult. Like they learn it is a death cult. It's it's a tender, loving death cult, but it's still a death cult. And you don't even let your friends get a buzz on before you show them that video. <laughs> exactly. And then they're like, "Oh, we're so sorry we offended you with our creepy death cult video. <laughs> yeah, let's play surprise. a game that we played with our death cult." <laughs> That'll really, that'll really settle the mood. No big deal, guys. And no big guess deal. guess what? Surprise, guys. It's not just a death cult, but it's also a sex death cult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sex, drugs, and death. This is a rock and roll heavy metal cult. And they're all wearing these, like, ethereal dresses and talking like hippies in the woods, but it's all sex, drugs, and death. <laughs> like, realistically, up until the point where you murder all your friends, what part of this doesn't just sound like high school? Sex and drugs and death. Oh, boy. Are you, like, a metal concert? <laughs> or a metal concert, sure. <laughs> Heavy metal concert or a high school reunion. I don't think high school reunions have a lot of sex, drugs, and death. I they probably have a lot of receding hairlines and You're probably right. loosened belts. I've never I've never been to one. I'm just going off of Gross Point Blank where John Cusack does oh, so cocaine one and person, murders somebody. One person is a hitman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like every high school reunion. Would you leave this party when Pruitt shows up? He gives me vibes. That's what I'm saying. And so the weirdest thing about Pruitt is when they first bring out the video, if you're watching Pruitt, he's like, yes. no, 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 no. David, not and now. Initially, <laughs> or not yet, I think Initially, said, right? I thought it was because he the video was something that was planned for later in the night, but I don't think they're supposed to indoctrinate them in the cult at all. Oh. I think that this experience is for the people that are in the invitation so they get to bring their loved ones with them. Yeah. But I don't think the consent, obviously, or even the knowledge from them is is key. No, probably so not. I, David point. showing the video, I think, is, is Pruitt being like, uh, 
because if if the vibe changes too early then they do they are definitely going to have to leave lead to force but then when they start playing this never have i ever game or this is what i want to tell you game he full out goes into the story where he talks about how he murdered his wife yeah and that's his grief is that he got drunk and hit his wife so hard she died instantly he is a big enough guy you'd believe it it brings the vibe down. I see what you're saying. So, like, if he's if he's saying, David, let's not do this, you would think, okay, the story Pruitt's the story Pruitt's gonna tell is gonna course correct everything, get us back on track. We're all having a good time. You know what everybody needs? A st- <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm just I'm just testing the temperature of the room here. I think it's about time that I told you, me, the person you don't know. Is a convicted murderer. Like, and he, I went to prison, all that stuff. And the, I paid that way. Uh, uh, and that, that's all he had to say about it. Yeah. He's an odd duck. We don't, yeah, we don't get any story from Sadie. And I got to assume it's it's got to be something similar. Like, I think she was in a relationship. I, I, Either that or they literally just picked her up on the way to Mexico and she's just joined along. Because she's just like, yeah, this cult seems real great. I think so. Because I think two other people show up asking to help. And David says no, because it would really tip the scales. There's mm-hmm. a there's a moment where the door rings, the doorbell rings, and um, we don't see who it is. And it's when I think Claire is trying to talk to, uh, trying to talk to Will. That's where she's like, "Ask me any question," which is honestly the cutest thing that somebody who hasn't seen another person in like five years uh, could say. Because she just wants to have a conversation with him. Like, just ask me anything about myself. Like, we haven't seen each other. Let's know each other again. Like, mm-hmm. I think that was that was really cute. That's good writing. But Will is way too focused on David, who's at the door, acting very nervous. And But we never see who's there. And when, when he comes back, he says, like, oh, just two people looking, looking for, for a, a party. party. You're like, what? What? Like, this is not the neighborhood where people just walk around like, hey, can I come in? Like, No, not really. We're in the hills, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, do you think they are people who are in the invitation but don't have a house to go to? Yeah, maybe. Or they've they've already murdered a whole house but for some reason haven't killed themselves and they just they want to do some more? Maybe. Oh, I, I always just initially like, thought maybe that it was just people of the cult who were checking in on houses that would be doing an invitation tonight. Oh. And we're just checking in to make They're sure like everything auditors. is like going kind of thing. Yeah. Everything's cool. You because good? he gets you some good? phone calls and stuff too that also agitate him. So I assume that there are higher ups that are checking in on making progress. All of making... the individual and like just seeing where they are in the evening. You're or... probably right. That's probably what it was, actually. Anyway, it's all like you guys we noticed that you don't have your lantern out yet. Is uh... That's probably exactly what it is. Yeah. Damn. We gotta get to that lantern. Yeah. Before we get, <laughs> before we get to that lantern, though, talk to me about flashbacks in this movie. How 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 you like the quantity of flashbacks in this movie? I I don't mind them, mm. but having watched it twice in the last week, how yeah. do you feel about it? Eh, I like I that know. we get to see Will and Eden in love. Sure. Because it makes the scene where where they first see each other have a lot of weight to it okay even retroactively like when we see them in the um the tub and stuff like they're very sweet together and you can very you can very much see that if this tragedy never occurred they would have lived a very happy life i think so also will without his beard not good (laughs) (laughs) which is funny because i don't think i've ever seen him with a beard in anything else the actor doesn't he have a beard in 
upgrade? He has a beard for like half a minute. Oh. Just to show that he's like given up on himself and he's been And I'm like, down. ooh, attractive. <laughs> <laughs> um I think if we remove the flashbacks in this movie, we cut pff, twenty minutes out. Maybe not twenty minutes. I'm over exaggerating, but they are needed. You're right. Like it shows us a life that doesn't exist anymore. But at some point I I get it. And I don't need more of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, this this film is kind of a, a slow tension building film. So to enjoy it, you really have to just like immerse yourself in it. Like sure. um, we, we did watch it twice this week because unfortunately, like our recording schedule kind of got pushed back. But the first time I watched it, like we were really into it and I really, really watched it. And then the second time we kind of just had it on to keep us to update us a little bit. But we were also kind of working while we were watching it. And I didn't enjoy it as much mm. because you really need to invest your attention in this movie to get yeah. the reward of of enjoying the ending. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So It's funny that we're at a point in time where we can say, like, you really need to actually look at this movie like it. I hate, I know, I hate that, but I would say that Netflix maybe isn't the ideal spot for this movie because it's definitely, like, a lights-off... Um, it's a theater movie. yeah surround sound you need to be in this movie as much as possible even if it's not necessarily like a bang boom crazy audio whatever type of movie but just that the slowness needs to affect you oh yeah i think the this time around and the um, ebb and flow of like social graces <laughs> yeah so th this time around the thing that the thing that impressed me the most there were two scenes and it was just how they looked like, I, I love how calculated this movie is, and I love how planned out it is, because it isn't like Fight Club. We don't get an ending where we, like, and you see, like, the party from a, the other perspective, where yeah. they're like, oh, they're putting pills in the punch, and oh, here's Pruitt shooting Claire. You don't see any of that. You know it all happens. Uh, but uh, what impressed me the most this time was the scene at the pool with Sadie. I think it just looks gorgeous. It's, like, super dark. Everybody's basically silhouetted except against this the very blue pool because the, the lights are there. And it's also just, like, a very weird scene where Sadie is, like, we're all going to be dead soon. I could get away with anything. You could get away with anything. Let's mm -hmm. get away with something. It's just, a, it's just a good scene, and it's very eerie. Also, it's the only kind of glimpse you get into her without being like cute and nice and in front of yeah, people. Yeah, because she does look like she's like, I will scratch your fucking eyes out if we don't have sex right here, right now. That's scary. Yeah. Because like she it's, she has this frustration that he won't give in to it. Like everybody's having a good time. And like while they're not maybe ready to accept the invitation, they're all going with it. And she's very upset that he's just as nervous and skeptical as when he first arrived mm -hmm. but also and the, the other scene that really impressed me the most is just like a small little bit of camera work I, I think i called it out to you when we first started watching it and i like stopped everything i was doing when it came up the second time it's where will is watching yes pruitt. yes yeah. right where we see oh. we're watching we're with will at the window watching pruitt help claire down the down the hill and then he stops her and goes out of the way and just just when you know they are out out of sight and something bad's about to happen and this is where we should really be paying attention. David comes up behind him and his reflection in the glass. Yes, we're watching that whole scene as a reflection. So like the camera just pans up a little bit. We're in the same window. We don't see Pruitt. You cannot and Claire see anymore. out the window anymore, but you're still looking 
through the window, but you're just seeing the reflection of David. Yeah, and also just the fact that he doesn't turn around to have that conversation with him. They stare at each other through the window, and it's just like they're they're both very distorted looking at each other. It's just, it's, the composition of that shot is amazing. And now I'm ready for ratings. That is, <laughs> that, that is the highlight for me. That's what I wanted to talk about. No, no that, was a, that was an amazing, amazing fucking moment. Yeah, I really liked it. And I, I guess I should, my, my surprise when Choi showed up was was very funny to me because I'd completely forgotten. Uh, it is it is a brilliant turn in this movie to have a character who we think has already been murdered show up because it completely demolishes Will in front of the entire group. He's maybe slowly gaining some traction with them to explain how weird shit is and how maybe we all shouldn't just be getting drunk and having a good time. I think something dangerous is happening. Mm-hmm. And he gets them a little bit on board, too. Yeah, 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 They're yeah, like, yeah. where is Choi? And they're asking Eden and David, like, he should be there because Will gets a message that Choi is out. You're literally like, okay, going up to the door right now. Three, two, one, bye. Like, he, that's he, the only thing it needed was him knocking on the door before the voicemail ended. Mm-hmm. But he fucking shows up because apparently he got a phone call from work and he got dragged away. Oh, one of those long stories. Which I would love to watch this movie from... Choice perspective <laughs> because he's like he's about to go somewhere he gets pulled away goes to work and then he comes back to the most hostile dinner party ever it's just very stiff and tense and unfortunately will's gotta eat shit because oh, yeah. he he accuses them of basically everything that he thinks is going down. He says that he found the barbiturates in the in the yeah, drawer. Yeah, he, he discloses that he's been hunting around the house, rooting through, <laughs> rooting through things. Yeah, uh, and that they maybe murdered Choi. <laughs> oh man, it's you know that would have been Choi's opportunity to just take Gina and get out. Like, yeah. hey, let's just maybe leave. The fact that Will and Kira don't leave in that moment is kind of crazy, but I think it's because he knows that if he leaves in this moment that all these friendships are ruined. So he needs to like yeah. let time you have to sit in that uncomfortableness of that night and apologize to everybody. Exactly, he has to And then to have a drink with them and yeah. then go. And you know then what I mean? go, yeah, yeah. Thankfully there's a whole bunch of rooms in that house for him to go sulk in. <laughs> and I, th- I think he takes a turn in each of them. Because uh, it gives us more flashbacks. It gives us more time. I, I just, I really, the flashbacks do get to me and I don't need them. And it's just like, it's a way for us to get out of the party for a minute. But I suppose it's also a way for us to get into his mind. So he goes and sulks. We have a few flashbacks. and Stop he- shitting on the flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love them. <laughs> I don't love them. But uh, it's, it, it, it doesn't hurt the movie that much. Anyway, he comes back just in time for dessert. Um, where they are handing out some sort of wine with dessert. Let's call it ice wine. It might be a dessert wine. It might be a dessert <laughs> wine, guys. I've and, never had one of and those. And they have these fancy little cups. Yeah. And nothing really happens in particular to set Will off. It's just... No, that's not true. <laughs> there is something. No, but it's observing. and it's, Sure. It's seeing. So there's a lot of like... What do you want to well, say? In, in that you're, time, man, you're being really before, intense. Before he comes back to the table, because Pruitt comes to get him, because it's time, basically, he finds David's laptop, 
where there's another video from the leader of their cult saying, I know it's not going to be easy. I know it's hard. I know we're asking a lot of you, but you have the strength. You can do this. It's very vague, I believe though. in you. I will see you soon. <laughs> like it's, And he's got like tears in his eyes. And like, sure, it's vague. But the last video we saw, the only other like indication of this guy's character is that he sat around and breathed in a dying woman's breath. <laughs> Okay, fine. But he was like, good year. Yeah, but this is after he accused them of the Choi thing and Choi is fine and well. So it's still a little bit of a leap for him to be like, I'm going to drink these wines. And he he just like smacks everybody's wines out of their hand. He can't kick the door open and come (laughs) around. Look what I found, (laughs) motherfuckers. Like, no, he can't do that. But but. it's because of how David and, and Eden are acting as they're pouring out the wine. And David says to Eden, he's just well, they're, like, yeah, they're proud. look at all these people that are here for you. Look at all these people that love yeah, you. Just, and it, you're just like, yeah. And they're, they're pouring wine like it's the last fucking time they're ever going to have right? wine. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta just pretend it's old hat, you know? Like, if you really want to get away with it, it's gotta be, It like, feels very ceremonial and special yeah. and magical. And then David ruins everything Oh yeah, by kung fu kicking wine out of everybody's hands <laughs> except for Gina? Is yeah, because she, she takes a sip immediately. And it's... It's good for her character. She seems like the person who's, like, gonna dive headfirst into shit. Yeah, and Sadie is pissed. She lunges at Will. Well, yeah, she's like, you ruined it. (laughs) And then she hits her head off like a curio cabinet. And then, oh my God, panic, 911. We have to get an ambulance. They learn all the doors are locked. And while they're still kind of like, what the fuck did you do, Will? You killed Sadie. Gina is dying in the background with like foam at the mouth. Hell yeah. So guess who's vindicated? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, poison. Uh, He was right this whole time. But there's no time for apologies. Yeah, because they get a gun. Can you imagine him trying to take an I told you so moment? (laughs) Okay, put the gun down. I told you so. (laughs) Okay, step one, guys. This is what we got to do. We got to go find some weapons. We got to go rescue our friend over there. But before, can I please get an I told you so? Can I please? (laughs) Like, he just needs it in order to finish the rest of the fight. Oh, man. And then it's really just a battle survival because the cult people were in a death cult. Surprise, surprise, the death cult was a death cult. It's in these moments, too, that I, f- I find it very interesting. Like, he, Pruitt is like a is a monster. He's, he's a hulk of a man. He's kind of a killing machine. Sadie's the same way. She's just, like, chaotic. But uh, David and Eden are handling this very differently. You know, David's just like, Shooting people. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, okay, well, you know, easy way, didn't work, gotta roll up our sleeves, there's only one way to do this, it'll be over soon, no big deal. But, like, you do get a glimpse that like, Eden can't do this. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe there is definitely some doubt in her mind about what she's doing, because David seems to be the driving force behind uh, the, the two the, of them. Well, once least. the veil has been lifted on the cult, yeah, you see that... That she really is kind of a passenger in this, and she really is just trying to find something that will eat her grief. Yeah. Unfortunately, they found the one group that also wants to eat their friends. Because they believe so desperately that there is a eternal life, a heaven, a and happy like a place. And a uniting of everybody. Yeah. That, in the end. That what, you know what? We're talking about how great this place is. Why don't we just go there now? Like, realistically, what's stopping us? 
It's waiting for us. Why? And he's like, oh well, we'd miss all of our friends back here. It's like, let's bring them. Good point. Yeah. Why bring everyone we love? Why would we let them live such miserable lives when everything could be peachy keen over here in the greener pastures? What am I saying? Uh, (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Okay, you know what? That's not true. It makes it's logical sense in their mind. If yeah, if you're in, if you've bought into the death cult, it's perfectly logical. Yeah, if murder and suicide don't get you a ticket to the bad place, and no matter what, you're going to the good place. Why not just go to the good place now? It's interesting that they don't think about their friends' relationships. Like they, how happy are they going to be? Regardless, you wake up in a happy place. That one guy, Ben. Sure, he's talking about how his marriage isn't isn't good. They fight all the time, but they've got a kid, don't they? Did somebody mention that they have kids? Like, yeah, these people are in relationships outside of the group. They've got families. None of their families are coming with them. Yeah, but we're looking at such a tiny portion of this cult because at the end we learn that the invitation is, like, this is night night one for, like, all of California. Oh, man. the invitation is happening in a bunch of households. It might also only be phase one. Mm. So maybe not everybody in the invitation is going. Damn. You see what I mean? Maybe. I think phase two would be harder than phase one. I think phase one, you want to just like sweep the nation. Yeah. I think worldwide domination. I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's true. What a good ending though. That final image, like they're rescued. They're not even rescued. It's, you know, they're, they're safe. Uh, All the bad guys are dead. They go outside uh, just to get some fresh air. And we see an ominous red lantern that David had lit earlier. uh, That's, that reveals Hundreds of red lanterns across the California hills. Helicopters and fire trucks. and Like every available emergency service is out on the streets right now. And it is absolute chaos. What a good ending. Yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty dark. Which uh, I almost want sequels of this movie that aren't connected at all. You want to, okay. Because I want to get a glimpse in other houses, but unfortunately it couldn't be the same movie because you can't like live through that tension again because we know the death cult's death cult. I, you know, uh, I wouldn't say that they can't do it. 10 Cloverfield Lane was fucking incredible. True. If you could 10 Cloverfield Lane this movie, I want to see that. Yeah. It's called Open Invitation. (laughs) There's got to be a spot, though, like a gym where they're holding invitations for people who don't have, like, family and friends. Like, those those people that were, like, knocking on the door. Like, an invitation room where it's like, okay, guys, does everybody have a paper cup of Kool-Aid? <laughs> Are we all ready to go now? Okay. Are we um, all ready to go wait, now? Wait, let's just do a little icebreaker first. So, like, shake hands with the person on your right. Uh, tell them your favorite color and your favorite movie. Okay, now go to your left. All right, now your favorite pet and the street you grew up on. Okay, now, everybody... Cheers. <laughs> that, that, the funny part about the scenario is that if I'm there and they're like, what's your favorite movie? And I'd list a movie and they're like, I haven't seen that one. I'm like, oh, you're never going to be able to. <laughs> like, there's, 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 there's no time. <laughs> they're not going to let you bring horror movies to the good place. They're fucking better. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, this movie is very good. Unfortunately, I think seeing it twice this week has kind of drained us out on a little bit. So I don't think we were as enthusiastic as I want us to be, because yeah. this movie is wonderful. My only faults with it, I would say, is that the acting of the friends, like the minor characters, is a little eh at the beginning. It's a little, like, not wonderful, but the dialogue is great. Oh, yeah. So 
And then once stuff kind of starts to happen, people kind of fall in their roles a little bit and and everything kind of gets smooth sailing from there. But I just have a little, I have a hard time with the friend who's there, the, the friend that's there solo but isn't single. Gina. No, the guy. Ben. And Gina. <laughs> ben and Gina. Yeah, I'm just a little like, eh, on them. Um, but then later on, it's fine. Uh, but everything else about this movie is fucking amazing. And I'm, I'm normally not one for slower movies but this one is so well crafted and it's got such a good ebb and flow and keeps you going like what the fuck so much that Mm -hmm. that i'm so totally invested and also it's a cult film which is like it's not hard for me to enjoy anything with a cult in it yeah i love movies like this because it it, it's not that it makes you ask yourself this question but you can't help but ask yourself when, when would I leave? Yeah, like, when do I hit the button? Yeah, like in, I don't know, because it gets weirder and weirder, and it pulls you in, and the more you know, the more you need to stay, and at some point, you're curious whether or not Will is, uh, like, it sounds like Will could maybe make enough of a fuss to get out, but... There were opportunities where he probably could have... At some point, he decides that maybe he should stay for the sake of the group, because if he's right, and they all die... Not that he knows what's going to happen, but if he's right that they're dangerous, then leaving is not the right decision mm-hmm. because he also doesn't have enough to call the cops. So he kind of like has this protector role that he's going into. Not entirely unsurprising. But the movie's so through. great as, at bringing you to the point of like pushing the button and like, this is fucked. We need to leave. We need to stop this. And then like, as soon as you're there... Choi shows up. Like, as soon yes. as you're there, something happens that's, like, normal. Yeah. And it, it brings you back, and you, you just, like, you cannot get out of there. But I think that's a good spot for us to move into our next film. I think, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> um, so, before we talk about getting out, ratings on Invitation. God, I love this movie a lot. Um, I'm going to give this movie a, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to give this movie a 3.5 out of 4. I'm also going to give it a three and a half out of four. Yeah, this movie rocks. Yeah, it's a really great movie. Just a perfect modern slow burn. Near perfect modern slow burn. I can't <laughs> say perfect. Anyway, moving on. Let's talk about Jordan Peele's Get Out. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> black. I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> so you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter i'm gonna quit she'd take care of that for you how hypnosis i'm good actually are you ready for this i'm back in the beat so look i go do my research 
Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Bros, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Bros, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Bros! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. If there's too many white people, I get From 2017, Get Out is currently sitting at a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.7 .7 out of 10 on IMDb, 3 out of 4 at RogerEbert.com, and 4.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. This is kind of a fun one because Get Out came out after we started Nightmare on Film Street. That's true. And we got the opportunity to actually review this movie as one of our early Drive Home from the Drive-In episodes. Uh, that'll be part of our archive. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, they're no longer available on the podcatcher because we're going to be putting them on Patreon um, hosting fees. You know, the deal. Uh, all of our older episodes are gone, but we've technically already talked about this movie on the podcast. So we're in the kind of unique experience that maybe will come up more in the future. I would think so. That I need to, to pair Mandy with something. <laughs> we're talking about movies that we got to talk about initially uh, with you guys. So this is kind of our revisiting of Get Out. Yeah. And, and I don't even remember what my initial takeaways were, but hopefully I'm not a broken record talking about Get Out again. I remember us being very surprised. Neither of us thought it was going to be um, as good as it is. Mm -hmm. And also, it, it, I remember having an interesting experience rewatching it at the end of the year for our top tens. And liking it so much more then. Mm -hmm. So like I don't I think we were maybe just like a little like down the middle in our driving from the driving review, which is unfortunate because this movie is pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean I so watching it now, because this is probably the the fourth time I've seen it. Something like that. I'm definitely a lot more nitpicky than I was like second, third viewing sure. because first viewing I was like, oh, this is actually really good. And then second and third, I was like, this is amazing. And now it's like, wow, this movie is the very low budget movie. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm, I'm picking at little things. So sure, I'm sure. going to be a little bit more nitpicky now, but that's only because I'm, I'm very familiar with the movie. Yeah. I don't think it's going to change your rating. No. And you know, it's not like this movie needs any... Any help? Because no, I don't know. If I don't I've, know. Did you, do you remember the ratings I just read? It does not need help. I do not know if I've I've met a single horror fan or person who has not seen this movie and does not like it. Yeah, it's pretty universally accepted as a great movie. Even a good movie. Even a good movie. Yeah, maybe it's not your bag, but you can appreciate that it's really well put together. And that's the thing. Like, it's not just like, oh, what are we gonna say? I'm already stopping myself halfway through sentences. Uh, what are we going to say that hasn't already been said and probably said better? This movie is uh, was a huge surprise when it came out. 
obviously like oh there's the Jordan Peele like it's it sounds boring to talk about now but when this movie came it was like oh let's see if this funny guy can make something scary and holy shit did he and uh, and it's proved he has proved holy shit can he I love that and this is something that we can talk about kind of retroactively because we're in a good place now to look back at it and just how quickly horror got its clutches on Jordan Peele and has just folded him into our yeah. world. Wait, you want, you want HP Lovecraft? You want Twilight Zone? And you can really see though where these opportunities were plucked for him because watching um, Chris in the basement of the Armitages and the TV screen and the composition and the couch and that really retro rec room vibe. You're just like, I see the Twilight Zone here. Oh, yeah. I see it. That and movie, it's, it's such a weird turn, like, at that moment. Like, it shifts in a weird way. And the the sunken place is a bit sci-fi. Fuck and the a, sunken and place. And the Twilight like... Zone is just like... Sci-fi. Well, yeah, there could just as easily be like an eyeball blinking somewhere in the yeah. distance, and just a like door a door opening, <laughs> a single pane of glass being broken, <laughs> a symbol clanging. Why do they have E equals MC squared? Why do they have that window? Math. Is it supposed to be a mirror? Like it's just oh, bad luck to break a glass. Is that what it's supposed to be? Or are we shattering? At first, the I thought you were reality? talking about the sunken place. I was like, those are his eyes. No, John, those are his eyeballs. <laughs> That's what he sees. So here's here's the thing about this movie that I find so fucking impressive is that The Sunken Place is an incredible idea. The set that they have where he is being mentally prepped for surgery is brilliant and designed so geniusly. And the the hypnotizing, the way the way everything fucking looks is genius and you could put any character in it and it would look great. But the Chris, fact that he's got this trauma. Yes. Also, it's like his biggest strength. The fact that his trauma is his biggest strength is something we could talk about later if you want. But just, oh, God. Like, when I think about the whole thing, that we, we have to go back to him. Uh, vulnerable. Vulnerable. His mother isn't home. He's scared. He's watching TV. He's so anxious uh, and scared he can't get up. He can't move. And he's just scratching at the... Um, the chairs of the arm. The arms of the chair. <laughs> Shut up, don't. I could have edited this if you didn't laugh. No! <laughs> Carry on. Like, we, we see the scratches in the posts, right? And so, like, for that to be something that he can lock back into, and they, they have to use that to get him to the sunken place, is so fucking brilliant because it's it's how he gets out. It's it's how he's able to escape just by, like, those, those movements that he's doing with his hands unconsciously shows him a way to get at, at the whole fucking movie. Well, and and in talking about that is that's what's so wonderful about Get Out. And you hear it getting credit for like its approach to racism, but not the scope of the racism. There are so many different varieties of racism in this film oh, yeah. that it is insane how it nails every single one of them. There's like the modern day kind of white to black racism where it's like the like oh you guys are so fast and we love obama and like oh, that kind yeah. of racism but then there's also that um almost like deeply ingrained racism where the reason why they're taking advantage of these black people is yes they think that they're physically superior or whatever or they just want to try like the 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 new brand of cool oh boy but that they they aren't necessarily mentally like a mental match 
and how Chris beats them, he beats them with jujitsu and not okay. brute force. <laughs> yeah, can right? we talk about that? I wanted to get to it, and I was like, I have to explain my other stuff, because as soon as I say jujitsu, John's going to go off, so. Fuck, I feel like we're just, like, laying the thesis for, like, the of a roadmap for the rest of this episode, because, like, another thing I want to talk about is how genius it is that he's a fucking photographer. Like, it's, it's, it's something that he can do when he feels super uncomfortable and be an outside observer. And look through other yeah. windows, like, another lens, yeah, and I, then you're in the sunken place you look into that fucking lens yeah and like the, the guy wants him because he's a photographer like i want your fucking eyes man the movie is about the black experience which the majority like every char- other character in the movie is white uh they can never see the world through his eyes and as him and that's something that they're trying to achieve even though what's funny is that they will never they're being really racist by oh, going fuck. about it <laughs> oh, it's the whole thing's fucked the writing in this movie is just too fucking good. That's what it comes down to. Like, every aspect of this movie, that's it is such a tight script, and there is nothing wasted, and it all comes back, and it all pays off in just, like, the most brilliant ways. And originally, uh, initially, when we meet Jeremy, Rose's brother, uh, at the Armitage's place with Chris, he's he's had a few drinks, and he's letting loose, and you can tell that he is, that superiority is just slipping through a little bit. Where it's just like, oh, he, well, you know. He's, he's just egomaniacal. Like, oh, he, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know. Caleb like, Landry Jones was perfect casting. Yeah. Perfect. He, he does, a, nobody he does else a great could, job for the scumbag. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, nobody else could have played that scene. Yeah. Like he oh, does. with your genetics and your makeup and your frame, you could be a fucking stoppable, man. And what he's basically trying to say there to some degree is like, oh, yeah, if we fought right now, you'd win. But that's only because you're genetically predisposed to win in a fight. But you see the mental capacity. Ah, that's where the white man wins basically so that's yeah. that's like the the really deep ingrained racism that like runs through this film like it's it's kind of mainly talking about modern day racism and how like you're making it fucking awkward please stop making it fucking awkward for me um and it's really interesting too because uh now that jordan peele is this huge superstar i'm sure he has to deal with it so much more now oh definitely i would think so yeah but yeah the the fucking superior physical thing like it just rolls down your spine and tickles your little hairs and you're just like this is really evil yeah i think like one of the greatest things about this movie though is that uh yes you're just two white idiots talking about like maybe the one of the most racially complex films of the last 20 fucking years maybe in modern cinema at the very least obviously the black experience is not something that i can relate to mm-hmm but this movie frames it in such a way that it becomes relatable for anybody watching it. This film is does succeed in being for everyone. That's the that's the most genius part about There's it. There's versions of racism that we can all recognize. Like whether we grow grew up with like semi-racist parents or we saw a semi-racist thing at the grocery store or like maybe we have some natural racist tendencies. It's recognizable in this film. Yeah. But also just that when Chris finds anybody that he can relate to, they are like they are on another planet. Like just the uncomfortability that he has, uh, like you you can understand that he's uncomfortable around the family and like the whole group of people. But like when he goes off and he tries to talk to Georgina and Walter, they are aliens. Again, it's yeah. just so deeply unsettling, and it comes across as. They're very cold and they're very calculated because like you can tell that there's cogs turning with every word that they say. And to a layman who doesn't know what's fucking happening in that brain situation, it comes off like they're evil assholes. It's, It's so weird. Except for that scene where... Let's get to it. Georgina confronts Chris 
about the phone. It's the... Uh, it it's is like, the single... Like, if I could tentpole this movie with a scene, there's You there's can two tentpole scenes. the last 10 years of horror with a scene, oh, maybe. There's two scenes that I think are absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal? Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal snowman. <laughs> there's two yeah. scenes that I think are phenomenal snowman. Mm-hmm. The scene with Georgina. Oh, yeah. Where she is conveying so many fucking things that how how she did not get nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I do not know. Let's go down what her character is going through. Grandma, who, yeah. surprise, surprise, Georgina actually is. Um, well, Georgina is whoever the body was before Georgina got in there. Yeah. Or Grandma, if her name's not Georgina. Georgina's in the sunken place. Oh, yeah, maybe Georgina is Who knows grandma. whose name is <laughs> I have no idea. So, Grandma and Georgina are sharing a body. Yep. Rose comes in and says, like, hey, you gotta say something to Chris because he knows you've been unplugging his phone. Mm-hmm. And so she just goes in her grandmotherly wording mm-hmm. and tells him that she accidentally touched it, but rather than, like, be a big douche, she decided <laughs> not to plug it back in. And something in the way that Chris talks to her... He says, I... T- gets through to the woman who's in the sunken place and she is able to shine through Georgina's eyes and yep. nothing else. Yeah, well, he, he taps into an emotion that only the real Georgina can understand. Like, Grandma has no context for it. Grandma doesn't get it. Like, when he says, I don't want to snitch you out, I don't want to rat on you. And she's like, tattletale. Yeah, she, she has <laughs> to think and figure out what he means. Like, she doesn't get it. And then he tells her that, like, you know, I just feel really, un- I just feel really uncomfortable. And there's a lot of white people around. Grandma doesn't get that, but it does strike a nerve with the person that's in the fucking sunken place right now, and she's able to like rise up into the surface a little bit. It's the only time that that happens without the flash of a camera, and it's just because in the the power dynamic that's happening inside her mind, like real Georgina wins in that moment, and just it's like watching a drunk person hold on to a single word while they're passing out, but, like, in reverse. Like, you see her come into focus, and then you watch, like, another person squash down that other... like On somebody's face! How does she fucking do that with I just her know. eyes? Like, sure, okay, cool. Like, a single teardrop is insane, and, like, you can train forever and to do that. smiling. How do you become oh. two different people in the span of two seconds and convey every fucking emotion possible? I have no idea. It's insane. It's it is. Crazy. Every time I watch it, I just, like... If I could, like, pull my chair up closer to the screen to watch that scene, it is fucking... Phenomenal snowman. Yeah. <laughs> if if I made mixtapes that were just scenes from movies, that would bookend the whole mixtape. It'd be the first and the last, and maybe you'd know the intermission came because I played it three times in a row halfway through. The the acting in this movie though is fucking crazy. It's because insane. so the next scene that I want to talk, my next temple scene, is when mom is first hypnotizing Chris and we the audience learn she's hypnotizing him through the scene mm-hmm. because we don't necessarily catch on to the spoon right away no it's not in at the all. background but you can see on on chris's face that he's fighting something yeah. and his facial expressions are so fucking on point he nails like every single 
like twitch and and tweak of his face when he, he's sinking into this story that he does not want to tell and he's looking at her like how are you getting me to I don't do even, this i don't even know if well yeah that's oh. it's not even like a how are you getting me to do this it's that i don't want to he doesn't want she's not in his head yet but he's allowing her to do it because it's more polite than getting up and walking away and that's how he's kind of been trained to live his life it's like that's that's what's so complex about that scene um and i think that's fucking genius because yeah he definitely he knows he should leave he knows he should run out of that room but it just wouldn't be right and it would it's not his place to do that is maybe what I'm trying to get at. Like that's the, he's trying to be that's a the guest. emotion. Yeah. 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 But he's already said no to this, this anti-smoking hypnosis thing. And she's picking at something that he's very sensitive about. And for some reason, like it's coming out of him slowly. Like he's, she's like, find the rain, find that rain. And, and like, I'm sure it's happening in Chris's head. We hear the rain coming in. It, yeah, it's and so we genius. see him like struggle to tell her that it's there. So like we listen to the rain like a little bit longer than necessary because she's like, tell me when you find the rain. Mm-hmm. And then he's found it. But it's like he's fighting the next step of like allowing her to know that she's hypnotized him. Mm-hmm. It's it's also so it's wonderful. also not a memory he he definitely goes to very often, I'm no. sure. Yeah, and for him to, for the sunken place for to be him staring at a television screen, and, like, that's where he's locked into where he was as a fucking child. Like, so much, so much of this movie is just fucking amazing. I can't, you know, I find the episodes where movies we like a lot. I swear a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the adjectives to describe how I feel, but I like it, and I know it in my heart, and fuck words. Yeah, and then, like, so standout acting, Daniel Kaluuya and who's the actress? What's the name of the actress that plays Regina? Oh, I knew it. Mm. Betty Gabriel. Betty Gabriel. Phenomenal. Wonderful. But we also have to give credit to Rose when she does her flip from the first half of the movie to like her Armitage state. Yeah. She like her hair goes back. Her bangs get gelled back. She gets this almost like anemic look to her. Mm. She's very like almost like army precision. Yeah. She is wonderful at the end. She adds like an extra level of spook at the end that I just fucking am all for. And dad, he's amazing in everything. I mean, everybody else is like incredibly suspicious the whole movie. Mom and dad, brother, especially the brother. Um, and definitely everybody at that party. Holy shit. One thing that I noticed this time that I'd never noticed before was that when everybody was arriving for the party at the exact same time, Time. in like a convoy yeah yeah uh walter the groundskeeper and um and georgina the housekeeper were the ones outside greeting everybody and they were and embracing, embracing everybody yeah. they were hugging like oh welcome to the colloquia whatever the thing is but like, that's is something it? that you you don't necessarily see on your first viewing because like yeah it would make sense that walter's opening the door for for everyone at their car because he's technically the groundskeeper he's he's hired help but the fact that they're embracing him is a little bit much. It's a little much. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because it's Grandpa. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that video that Grandpa makes. I love like, it. Yeah, I <laughs> well, yeah you love, love it, it, but it's it. fucking crazy. Oh, no, it is crazy. It may, oh, it's the, it's the coagula. What is it? I don't remember what the group's uh, name Coagula. Is. Coagula. Coagula. Something like that. To come back to our, like, our jiu-jitsu versus UFC conversation at the beginning, like... 
uh, Chris pulls out all the fucking stops, outsmarts everybody, thinks three steps ahead, and murders the whole goddamn family. Yeah, so he does that scratchy thing every time the spoon comes on the TV because it's, it's hypnotizing him, it's putting him out. He frees up some cotton, which he then puts in his ears. Yeah, he's able to sort of skip the last hypnotization. Mm-hmm, and he fakes it. And that's how he's able to uh, free himself, knock out the brother, kill the dad by impaling him with some deer horns, which fucking is fucking love great. It. That is the thing about this movie. When he goes berserk on the whole family... It is so earned and it's so good. I don't even think he tries to kill everybody, right? Like he's he would rather I think he's just, just like they're everybody on the way for him to get to the door. Yeah, is exactly because he doesn't march around the house looking for Rose. She no. finds him. Yeah, he could care less because he just wants to get he out. Wants to get time. out. Yeah, yeah. And when he stumbles upon mom, and it's like a fight for the teacup, and she stabs him with her like letter opener, and it's just like they're so. Oh yeah. Ugh. It's also there's just a quick little beat after he smashed the teacup where he's just like, that's it. It's done. Like, <laughs> you're like you have lost now. And she, yeah, she stabs him through the hand and it hurts and all, but it's fine because he's just like a half a step away from killing her. Well, it's and no he's still deal. in his body. Like, it's just like this oh, scene that could is have so played true. out so differently. Like it, he, it's almost like he appreciates this pain because this is all yeah. she has to hurt him. Yeah. What the fuck is a little pain if you can't take all of me? Oh man, yeah, that's real good. But like, to keep coming back to my jujitsu, well, <laughs> he's, he's fighting with Caleb Landry Jones for the door. And every, oh, it's the best! Every time he goes for the door, he kicks the door, he pushes him back, and he's got an even stronger grip on Chris now. But Chris, thinking three steps ahead, goes through the door, knowing he's gonna put his foot up, stabs him in the leg, gives him the leverage to to kick him off and just stomp his goddamn head in. Which I think I I think I talked about this in the drive from the drive-in. One of my favorite ways to kill a villain. I don't. It's always good because it goes on. It goes on too long. And like at, at some point you go, Ugh, but it fuck that guy. He deserves it. It's a it's a great moment, and the end is is where I kind of get a little like meh. Really? No. So okay. I think the end is great. Yeah. So this is where my nitpicking comes in. Okay. Um. Let's hear. When it. Rose figures out that Chris is getting away, obviously because there's car sounds. There's screaming all kinds of stuff happening downstairs she says like get him grandpa (laughs) (laughs) well when you say it like that sure but it's just playing to the back of the house i know i know i know because like you know first time i watched this i don't know if i clued in that that was grandma and grandpa until that moment okay like i think had I have thought about it or had we have left the theater, I, we would have been able to talk about it. And I would like, oh, fuck, that is Grandpa. How did I not get that? But yeah, and then she's just like, Grandma. <laughs> like, like she, she's literally still alive in those scenes to just like, make sure you all know that that's Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, and she, also to smile with fucking blood in her teeth. It looks so good. <laughs> it looks so good. Oh, it's such a great scene too, right? Because like Chris... Uh, Chris is finally, like, getting his hands around her throat, and then the cops come. I remember being in the theater and hearing, like, a wave of people going, no. Like, we all had, like, this, like, I think... I think that's why they changed the ending, because it was just too much of a, like, a downer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you know, but if you're unfamiliar, the original ending And they filmed it. You can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Or on the DVD or the Blu-ray, if you have it. Yeah, it's on there. There's (laughs) There's commentary with that that alternate ending from Jordan Peele. So like, and that, 
I mean, how often does that happen where they literally explain why they changed it? And it's a much darker, maybe more realistic ending where the cops show up. They find a black guy standing over dead, like standing at the top of a mountain of dead white people. And he gets arrested and, and it's goes also, to jail. It's also kind of a wonderful homage, the ending, uh, the original ending to Night of the Living Dead. Which yeah. is oh yeah, which is arguably without necessarily being one of the the greatest like rise of black horror films in cinema, but is mm. it's perfect for this modern commentary on racism to kind of mirror Night of the Living Dead. In yeah, a way. it was just it was just too much of a downer at the time. I think right? it was just like it's just too dark because, because he works so hard and he so earns it. Yeah, and it, we love him too much. <laughs> it fits the story though because like he is worried he's fighting uh, being kept in a in a prison cell of his own psyche. And when he finally escapes, he's just greeted with another prison cell. Like he just walks from one, uh, one box that he's allowed to play in to another. Like you could argue that the world he lives in before he meets the Armitages is like that. It's the world we live in. It's got a lot of constraints. It's got a lot of walls built up around him. And it's just, he shifts from one to another to another. And they just get like, it's, it's hard to say which one's worse, you know? But, um, I like this ending a lot. I, I I would not have loved that ending. I would have appreciated the craft of it. The only thing, though, isn't there a guy in the basement who's got his brain open? Yeah, no, totally. There is a way for oh, him to... Oh, ex- maybe the house... Does the house burn down? The house is on fire at that point. Yeah. So you're right. In that scenario, it's probably... Because there is a conversation between him and his buddy, like, at the prison. And I'm I'm sure at that point they say, like, oh, the house burned down. There's no evidence. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Um, we have we We spent this entire chunk... And we didn't even mention his friend, who is the heart of this movie. And he's just like the comedic absolute relief, comedic gold. <laughs> no, he's he's amazing. And when he goes to the police, like there's some really great jokes and some levity, which yeah. this film needs because otherwise it is like the invitation, it is constant foreboding. Oh, and yeah. something that you it's can't put your finger film. on and you can't like Georgina, we didn't even talk about the moments where like the door swings open and Georgina's just like, Oh, just standing there with a the fucking eyes. <laughs> Because I think the, what whatever the this neurosurgery that the the neurosurgery slash hypnosis that the Armitages are doing it is not perfected. But I think because no. bodies get old and decay and die, they've kind of jumped into like, no, we're fine, everything's good because the society is quite old. Like grandma and grandpa have already hit death point, right? Yeah, yeah. So they've swapped them over, but. There's a lot of upkeep, almost like these computers need to keep being updated because when um, the guy goes berserk at the party, he needs to go in mom's office to get like re-hypnotized kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're necessarily ready for practical trials because we see so. Georgina and Walter do a lot of really weird things. <laughs> like Walter running at night isn't something I've necessarily put my finger on completely. Is does he have to maintain control like at all hours of the night? And no. that's why he runs? Because there's no there's no need for an old man to be up that late. There, there he, is definitely... Six in the morning, I get. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he's invigorated with the youth of this body. And I think also he's just... Because Grandma is also up just like staring at her own reflection. Grandpa lost to Jesse Owens. Like, that is the big backstory we hear, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't make it to the Olympics because he wasn't as fast as Jesse Owens. So now he's got himself a body that can run super fast, and there's nothing that can stop him, and he spends his nights loving it because he's a horrible person. It also might be, too, because Chris is there, so they're, like, when Chris is not there, they're not playing the pretense of groundskeeper and and housemaid. Like, this is all for show. I don't know. I See, I don't. 
I don't think so. I think they are on vacation and seeing how the other half lives. I think they have a sick enjoyment out of that. And it also kind of is a feedback loop on their own bigotry racism because they think that black people want to be subservient to white people. And I think they get a kick out of doing it. So you think that they're when Chris isn't there, they're actually like Walter's actually chopping wood out back and I do think opening that. doors. Oh and, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think they're playing the role. Also, I, maybe too, like they need to sort of do that to keep up the the appearances because one, a bunch of black people are going missing. These people are that are post op yeah. are going to have to be at least some some way in out of the public eye and in hiding. Yeah. So, like, apart from, like, the order or whatever, they I'm sure they don't do a public appearances because they have no. the face of a missing person. Yeah. And, not like, I'm sorry, not not to not to keep bringing this back to, like, a wrestling versus jujitsu. But back to jujitsu. Yeah. No, seriously, because it's like a, um, it's like a meditation on an, on an easy life. Oh, I don't have to worry about using my brain anymore because I'm black. I'll just use my hands. Like I think, Ew, you're so right. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like also when we're talking about uh, uh, Andre Hayworth, I think was his name, mm-hmm. the, the kid that's gone missing, uh, the dude from Atlanta and Knives Out, he talks about how he's found, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but basically just like, I find joy and reward in the house chores now. And like, yeah, sure, part of that is because he kind of needs to stay home and keep a low profile. Mm-hmm. But I think also it's, it is a... Life is so easy now that I only have to worry about the simple things that this race is concerned with. Another one of the nitpicks that I have about this movie, and maybe it's just because, like, for time, we could not get to all of this. We couldn't explain everything. But once it is revealed that Rose is involved with all of her family's nonsense, Mm -hmm. and Chris discovers all of those photos of the previous people, where are they? Sorry, ask me that question one more time? The people that Rose has previously, oh. like, black catfished. Sorry, yes. Should they not have been at the party also, like Andre was? Or did they they keep those ones home so as not to tip off Chris too much? Like, I don't... I think that Andre is the newest mm-hmm. uh, person, uh, and... One, he they say that like oh they they thought uh, you know you would you'd be more comfortable with uh, with me around. So I think one they have him there because they need a token black guy to make this guy feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also because the last time everybody in that group saw that guy, he was an old white dude. So he's just like this is like his coming out. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. This is his coming out ball. Okay. <laughs> oh, when he does that dance <laughs> where to, like, he turns show around like body. check it out. Oh man, oh, I remember watching that. Like, the first time I watched the movie and watching that scene and being like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think one of my absolute... My new favorite moment of the movie, because, like, every time you see a movie like this, there is there is a new favorite moment. Uh, obviously, the no, 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 no's from Georgina was everybody's favorite the first three times. Um, but first eight times. This, yeah, this, this time around, it's the moment where, right before that, actually, where he goes upstairs to check on his phone and the entire party, the entire house, oh. stops talking. And they they just follow his footsteps up the stairs and down the hallway. Because there is no fucking party. There is no party. Everybody is just pretending. It's a buffet. Yeah, it's a bunch of extras staring at a guy. Uh, Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. 
because it's for an auction. I like love. They're, they're basically interviewing what's for sale. This movie's so squeezing good. his biceps. They do everything but check his fucking teeth, right? Oh man, <laughs> this movie's great. I love. And see, this and movie. that's why Rose exists. That's why I think her version of catfishing exists because he gets to walk around this party free for them to interview him almost. Yes. For them oh, yeah, to yeah, like, yeah. ooh, like I think this is how they get the most money out of these bodies because Definitely. they get Definitely. to ask him like, oh, are you are you into golf? Have you played golf? Have, like, you know what I mean? And Rose gets to be there and be like, oh, these people are being real racist. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. like keep him calm almost. But in, and maybe this is, maybe this is leaning to another nitpick. The brother has this brute force version of yeah like we notice how andre is captured because he's captured in the cold open where he's literally like beaten and put in a trunk and yeah. then at, in the outro when chris gets in his car there's like a metal viking helmet yeah which it's what he was wearing yeah because it's the brother's car that he's escaping in. yeah but i cannot picture how all of these steps like the 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 first hypnosis and then the sunken place and then the auction, how any of that would go down in the brother's version of obtaining this person. I think at that point they probably come to the house and there's a guy chained to a chair. And there's just a photo like or something yeah. like that. Like, and they well, don't know him at all. F- basketball player. Yeah. Like maybe in that case, like maybe he just does ones that are personally purchased like so so somebody's like okay i want i want a basketball player it has to be a basketball player and rose like can't get a basketball player or something they just kidnap one i think also to have the two of them do it i i would have assumed that the boyfriend would have gotten any female patients whatever you want to say that they need female inventory uh, he's too crazy to do the like, no, he's too the slow catfish. I gotta, I gotta he could feeling... not catfish anyone. His no. crazy would come out after like one drink. No, they're just like, you got a red mustache. I'm not going anywhere with you. <laughs> Why do you keep this fucking helmet in your car? Oh, man, it's my motorcycle helmet. <laughs> and a bottle of chloroform. And you're yeah. just like, mm, what do you have planned? You don't like the party? <laughs> yeah, I. so maybe like... In my perfect world, I maybe would have cut out that the brother does any of the recruit. I don't know what else to call it. Recruiting, the mm, kidnapping. Kidnapping, yeah. Um, because the sisters work so well with the guys that the Armitages have set up, or the guys that we see. Yeah. And I cannot see the brother, like how Andre's change went down. But those are my only nitpicks. I think my only nitpick is that the movie's not longer and I don't get to see it happen twice. <laughs> right. I'm trying to think. Like, I don't... I'm trying to get nitpicky. And I'm trying to think about stuff in the movie that I don't like. And I'm coming up very short. I think if I had watched it maybe a second time this week, I would. Because, like, I don't know that I would have complained about the flashback sequences and the invitation if I didn't have to watch them a second time. I think every I do have something that I don't like. pretty fucking great. And I know that I said this... In the drive home that we we initially did. Sure. The trailers for this movie have some really awesome nightmarish visuals of, of deer. deer skulls. Yeah. And these like blue black deers coming to life. And I'm not sure if they're in the sunken place or if it's during a nightmare sequence or I have something. A it's gotta be the but they place, right? filmed something with nightmare deers and we never got it. It was in the trailer. It's in the deleted scenes. You can see it. Is it? Yeah. 
Are you sure? Yeah, but I think what they wanted to do was keep the horror to the real world. They and they do know? a very great job of, yeah. of of capturing some really nightmarish visuals while still keeping them grounded. Like all of that TV basement stuff. It's literally in a rec, rec room with a foosball table in the background, and yeah. you're like, "This is terrifying." <laughs> <laughs> and they, they have like old ping pong. Like, yeah, like, oh, evil! <laughs> oh. It's a fucking wonderful movie. So. Given the title of this episode, oh dear, we can't leave it without at least discussing that. I this this movie does a better job of the I hit a small animal on the way to something than the invitation does. It's a trope you see in a lot of movies. Well, because I think... it's just a, the initial sense of foreboding. There is there's yeah. something. It's the going to the gas station. The teenagers going to the gas station on the way to the the cabin where the murderer is, sure. and the gas station attendant warns them that it's cursed haunted they're all gonna die yeah. there's no service past here yep. that's what the deer does the yep. deer is that foreboding gas station something is not going well for you today they do a much better job of it and get out than in most movies uh but definitely than the invitation like in the invitation i think sometimes honestly the the sp- specifically the we hit an animal it's not dead we gotta finish it mm-hmm. i think is just to show one foreboding death is around the corner it could happen at any time cut through your nice perfect happy day but that our final girl or one of our characters whoever is capable of killing when they have to when they're backed up to a corner exactly but never for the wrong reasons only to make life better i guess like i'm only gonna trust their judgment almost in yeah in like when when things get all like penultimate this is your hero. Yeah. But in Get Out, though, it is it is completely different. It takes that trope like it does a lot of other horror tropes and really uses it in an interesting, unique way that super duper fits Chris's character. In this, more than anything, it's what grounds him to this entire situation. It's his mother's death because his mother was hit by a car and left on the side of the road mm. and nobody came to do anything about it. And like that's that's the memory that he's locking into in that moment when he stares at the deer taking its final breath. Like it's still a little alive. It's like when he's he there gets to there. witness it. Yes. And oh. yeah, and so like that is what brings him back. That's what gives them the ability to get to the sunken place. It's also it it shows his humanity also too at the end when he hits Georgina with the car and he can't leave her because she just looks like a woman in a house coat on the side of the road. And he knows there's a real person in there. So he has to pick her up and put her in the car and you know that's what crashes the car and shit. It's just it it it's all worked so goddamn well and it just comes down to Chris as a character. Yeah. That is the strongest thing this movie has, like above every other major strength, is how well written of a character he is. The entire movie comes from him, and it's it's not just this interesting person who reacts to a wild situation. It's It all happens because, uh, and the way it happens is because of how Chris is and his life and, and everything. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. No, that's really good. I also wanted to say like a funny side note too about the um, the deer scene is that <laughs> instead of calling... Back to that trailer moment. <laughs> but no, no, the deer scene where they hit the deer. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, instead of calling animal control, they call the police, which is I just don't... like a city kid mistake because... Does he call the police? Uh, I think Rose does. There's no way she calls the police. There's no way she calls the police. That, that's how the scene starts. She's like, you know, next time you can just call animal control for this. I'm sorry. I was too busy just thinking about the deer when that when that happened. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, that's crazy because like her number one goal there is don't let this cop know this guy's name. 
She can't let that cop see his ID. Oh my god! He, yeah, because then the entire weekend is ruined. That's why she's she's has this veil of just like, oh, is it because you're a, he's black and you need to see his ID? Come on, sir, stop being so racist. And like she brings it up again too later in the movie. I like I love the scene when she brings it up and how weird her parents are because he's like, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh huh. Like this is all like so mind blowing to her that people could act this way, and he's just like, yeah, this is how the world is. But uh, yeah, he she can't. The jig is up if that cop knows his name. Oh fuck! I've never even thought of that. I I'm blowing will, my mind with all this. I will, stuff. I will. I will. I never thought of any of this. I stuff. will do you the courtesy of saying that we have had these conversations before, and that half of these conversations was you. So, I mean, there's more I could talk about. I like this movie a lot. We're going on a little long. It's my fault. No, I'm digging the deer stuff. I'm digging it. <laughs> digging I already want to rewatch stuff. the movie now. Because I'm yeah. like, oh my god, I didn't... Now I want to watch it just to watch Rose more because she does a lot of weird things that I don't know if they... Because you're just like, wow, she is she's going full into this, like, I love you Chris character. But how much of it is for her protecting what's happening that weekend? Also, she can't get over how good she is at it. Because she's definitely the person who was looking at those photos and shit. Like, there's the, there's no reason for that little cupboard to be open all the time and for Chris to keep going in. Like, he only goes because it looks like somebody's been in there. I can't imagine Walter or Georgina or her parents. Well, and as soon as the jig is up, she's put the pictures up she on the wall. She puts them back up on the wall! <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's like, crazy. I, so I do need, I need to just watch okay. this movie. Just watch Rose. Like, yeah. watch nothing else. Don't get sucked into Georgina's awesomeness. Don't get sucked into Chris. Like, just watch Rose. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't read in Fangoria, and this is the one thing I want to leave on, the inspiration that Betty Gabriel took for Georgina as a character, especially in that moment, was the bride of Frankenstein. How perfect is that? It's insane. Because it's just like you're in a body that's yours, but you don't understand it, and it's so foreign to you, and it's a horror, and uh, I would love to do a double feature of The Bride of Frankenstein with uh, Georgina's Five minutes spin-off. of yeah. Get Out. <laughs> Five minutes, yeah. yeah Georgina's spinoff, oh. fuck. Okay, let's just- So good. Let's just get to ratings. Okay. Also, this time around, I've got to pay attention to the score more. Fuck, that's a good score. It is a good score. Now I totally understand why everybody bought it. When it came out, I was like, is it that good? I don't remember it being. I'm sure it's good. Fuck, it's good. I would I would buy it now if I found it on sale. <laughs> you, so sometimes you need to watch a movie enough times that you can sever yourself from different aspects of it so you, you, can, you yeah. can pay attention to individual moments. Like, I'm going to watch it just for Rose because I don't know if I necessarily paid attention to like, her character arc yeah. and it's a fucked up character arc. Because there's so many things that grab your attention first. Because it's a multifaceted film. So, Kim, how would you rate this multifaceted film? So, I'm going to say it's Phenomenal Snowman again. Yep. Because I'm cementing that as a word that we've invented this episode. Okay, yeah. Fuck. I'm going to give it a three and a half out of four also. Mm-hmm. Same as Invitation. Because it's awesome. It's dope. I need to know what the brother's thing <laughs> looks like. I just need to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a lot like like something at a hostel where it's just somebody chained to a yeah, chair and they I send them some photos. I can't see these old people you, paying good you, money for somebody that like because they have to keep them protected. Like they can't injure them. Sure. Especially the fact that like Chris gets to talk to the guy that bought his body and he gets to watch this like peaceful video. Okay. Like, okay. There's this weird level of like useless indoctrination. Here's here's what I would suggest then. They had the party. For reasons outside their control, couldn't go through the surgery that weekend. Either he didn't take to the hypnotism because he wasn't able; to, they weren't able to corner him. Uh, turns out he's got 
a people are expecting him somewhere the very next day, like any number of things. Mm-hmm. And because it couldn't happen right there, right then, that's when the brother gets brought in okay. to make him disappear at a convenient time. I believe that. Hmm. Bought it. Yeah. I see. I need to see. So that's, that's uh, unfortunately that's just a different movie. Oh yeah, completely different movie. Yeah. My rating though, I'm gonna go four to four on this one. Abominable Snowman. I can't think of anything I don't like about it. And it also just kind of like surprises me how perfect it is every time I watch it. Yeah. I underestimate this movie even having seen it before. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing to say out loud. There's very few movies that I can rewatch so many times like after they've come out. Mm. Um, like this and I would say Hereditary are going to be sure. like my most rewatched movies of the last four or five years. Yeah. And if you had told me that, Having seen the trailer like a dozen times, like, oh, this is a movie that you're going to be able to watch over and over and over again, and it's going to be better every time. I would not have believed you. But yeah, let us know what you think of Get Out and The Invitation. I'm sure you've talked about Get Out a lot before. I know we're we're kind of bringing up a new film with, with old eyes, but chat about us the things that you discovered on like second and third watch, the stuff that, oh, yeah. that you didn't necessarily see in the theater. And characters that really stood out for you. Because I want to know what else. I'm sure there's more Easter eggs and things that we haven't picked up on. And the invitation, let us know what you think about that movie. And if you can really get into like the slow uh, tension of it. Because it's quite the investment when you do. Yeah, I love those movies. You can tweet at us at NOFS Podcast. You can also join us in our Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. We are controlling transmission. Have a trouble with a lever? This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Baffmint and Co. Small batch soap inspired by horror and the macabre. This week's pick is the Sunken Place Bar. A deceptively delicate soap that is light and warm with a bottomless calming. Inspired by Jordan Peele's Get Out. Memories of a hypnotizing gaze, a warm smile with a hint of foreboding, and an endlessly twirling spoon. Get 10% off your order with the code NIGHTMARE at baffmintandco.com. That's 10% off with the coupon code NIGHTMARE at baffmintandco. Made by hands, sometimes severed. We're going to stick around for a few more minutes and play a game that I've put together called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? I'm going to quiz Kim on her knowledge of deadly dinner parties. Ooh. And in celebrating Home is Where the Horror is Month at Nightmare on Film Street and American Thanksgiving, you can get even more dinner party horrors, home-based horrors, and crazy shit like this episode over at nofspodcast.com. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at N-O-F-S podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreet.com.
podcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends. <laughs>